All right, all right, all right. Welcome this to the to the Moderate Texan podcast. Everybody, I am Jay, the Moderate Texan. You know me. You've heard me now for four weeks, uh, blasting in your ear, trying to bring you right back to the middle. But we have two people with me today. I know I was by myself last week, but I want to introduce, reintroduce the famous uh, legend, Money Matt. What's going Matt, on, everybody? And of course, the man who is my teacher, my sensei, my my professor in the art of the film, Don't Lie, I have Jordan, a.k.a. Texans Thoughts. Jordan, how you doing today, man? Thank you so much for having me, Jay. Dude, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad we're finally able to do this. I'm feeling a little underweather, but it's my flu game, guys. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go break down this film. New game, Jordan. It's on, man. It's on. Uh, quick bit here down below. You will see all of our Twitters there. Hit us up. Uh, chat with us. Tell us what you think after this video and on past videos. Let us know how things are going. And you'll also see Jordan's YouTube channel, the Texans Thoughts YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, jump in on that. We are a family. It's a great time. Um, and lastly, I started this last week. Um, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm hearing y'all. Um, so I'm going to ask the question again and feel free to DM me if you guys don't, aren't not comfortable with putting it in the YouTube, but, uh, what do you guys want me to pray for? What's going bad in your life? What's good in your life? Um, I've got your back. Um, just like I think two weeks ago, we decided to kind of look at a new subject. We'll jump right into this. Um, this week I really wanted to kind of talk about the Dolphins scenario, primarily to a tag of Iloa and what happened with that concussion symptoms uh, issue that was going on there. Um, I know a lot of people have had their rapid reactions, but here we like to bring things back to the middle. We like to dig through that chaos, dig through the darkness and find the little light that's going on there. Um, so let's talk about this. Let's, let's see what's going on. So y'all's first reaction, we'll start with Jordan. What did you initially think? What was your initial thoughts uh, when it came down to to attack of Iloa playing? Uh, sadly, I was not surprised because the NFL has time and time again shown that they prioritize filling seats, watch like just getting viewers in general um, over player safety. It's sad that an organization like the Miami Dolphins has shown us so many times that they are willing to do the wrong things just to, you know, win games or, or even, you know, just compete and be a, a football team, right? Um, so it, it, was, it was sad. It wasn't surprising. Um, but I just hope that they can handle things better now that this big uproar has come to happen. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Give me your feedback. I almost think it needs to do an like. I'm pretty sure the NFL is doing an investigation in the Dolphins organization right now for it. But this goes like to the center of it. Like Tua probably knew he wasn't good to go back in the game, but he's a ball player. He's gonna go in. He's gonna fight for everything. Like he's gonna try to prove to the coaching staff and to the owners that. He deserves to be there. He deserves to be QB1. But there needs to be a sense of, like, you need to know when you can't go at 100%. So 
Tua knew he wasn't 100%. He shouldn't have gone back in the game. His boys, they knew he wasn't 100%. Two of his offensive linemen were literally holding him up to make sure he didn't fall over, trying to run back to the sideline. They should have kept him out. Like, we know you're not okay right now. Stay out. Like, this is just a game. Your health is way more important. The coaching staff probably knew he wasn't 100%. They should have shouldn't have let him go back in the game. So I almost think if it was if it was Deshaun Watson when he was still here and we didn't hate his guts, if that was a situation with him, I don't think our coaching staff, our offensive players, or our owners would have let him go back there and risk his life for a game. Agreed. Agreed. I really agree with both of y'all's points. Uh, my first point that I, I want to kind of m- mention is a lot of this blame has to go on Tua, right? Why would you put yourself back out there? As you said, Matt, like he knew. He, he, he's he got to know. He's wobbly. We all saw it on TV. It's not like it was hidden from us. He was wobbly getting up. His players had to hold him up. So his teammates have some culpability here, and, and so does Tua. Um. So do the coaches. So does Miami, as as Beige says here. You know, they let him down. Um, so do that independent neurological person, the doctor that's there, right? Like that, they let him down. The NFL lets him down. Um, but I think there's another point that needs to be kind of brought up here. There is this mindset from players that they have to play through injury mainly because there's not a lot of guaranteed contracts out there. Those players that are getting them are superstar contracts, Um, but not everybody has that. And I don't know if this is already there or not, but is there a concussion protocol contract that's out there that, that guarantees money if you're out due to a contract? Matt, what do you think on that? Like you was telling me, I think, I don't think there's a concussion protocol or anything like that. I know there's the, test you have to do but like you was telling me I think it needs to be a five-day period to where you can test and you keep testing until you eventually pass and you're fully cleared to get back to physical contact and all activity yeah that's fair that's fair Uh, yeah we were talking about that Jordan I know you were you're kind of feeling under the weather we were talking about this before I mentioned that there should probably be a five-day period between game time when they get hit and day one be the next day and, you know, the fifth day being so Sunday they got hit and it was concussion. Day five would be Friday, right? Um, and that's when they get tested again. This way there's no way a player can get hit, have a concussion Thursday, and then on Thursday play again. We don't, we don't want that, right? Um, but what do you think of something like that, right? Maybe even going into three failed tests and you go to an IR. How do you feel about that? Um, I think it's a good idea in theory, and I think it would definitely serve its purpose in terms of protecting players' safety, um, because five days is a long time. That's a long time in the NFL world, man. <laughs> when when weeks are, are seven days and we got one game a week, like five days is a long time. So from that perspective, as great as it is and as great as it sounds, thinking about it like realistically, I don't ever see the NFL really implementing it. They would have to catch a lot of flack. They would have to lose like a a Tom Brady or something due to something like this um, to implement such drastic measures. So I love it. I like the idea. I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, um, that's going to be, you know, 
fortunately, if, if that's if it's going to take a big player for this to happen, and you know, Tua is not that is not a big enough player. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, the NFL needs to kind of work worry about uh, player safety, like they're saying, over over numbers. Um, but I think that's enough of that. It is Thursday. That means there's Thursday night football coming up on Amazon Prime. Shout out to Amazon Prime. Um, let's jump into some film breakdown. And it's, I am really excited today, y'all, because Jordan is the master, and we've gone through these plays that he has taught me so much uh, in this time. So let's kind of let's kind of take a look at this. Let me get to the get to the screen. Let's get that up there. All right. So today we've got eight plays for you. Um, and this one's pretty early in the game. Uh, it's pretty early. Um, so let's go ahead, go ahead and kind of just play and see what happens, and then we'll we'll talk about it a bit. So, initial reaction. Start with Jordan this time. Jordan, what did you see in that play initially? What's your first thing? First thought, I liked the play design. That's the first thing my like brain goes to. Um, using motion with the tight end to kind of see where the defense is in. Um, and then once the ball is snapped, my thought is why or like what's like the decision making process here? with Mills and, and handing this off and on. Because when you watch this, it's, it's clearly there's some sort of read he needs to make, some sort of option play. Um, and as we'll, we'll talk about, it's a little bit of an RPO. And so, Jay, what are your kind of thoughts on did Mills make the right decision? What is he looking at here? What's going on? Yeah. So we talked about this uh, yesterday. We had, we had some good breakdown on this. Yeah. Um, and my initial thought was – Mills is not good at the RPO. Like, that's my initial thought. Uh, and it was actually Matt who called it out when we were watching the video. I said, I don't know what this is, but he should have thrown the ball to Dorsett here. This is Philip Dorsett over here. You can see uh, this is uh, OJ Howard. And then we have Chris Moore up here. Oh, wait, that's not Chris Moore. That is somebody, I think. No, that is AJ. That is Chris Moore. And this is uh, Nico down here. Um, so we have what looks to be kind of a screen, a screen here, a hat on a hat. OJ Howard can get here. He can get here. He's probably going to go to the outside and allow Dorsett, who's pretty speedy to get to the outside. Mills is looking down here. He's looking at two things. The first is probably this end right here or linebacker. I think it's a defensive end. Yep. He's looking at him and wondering if he's going to bite. If he bites, he's probably going to pull the ball and throw it. And in this case, let's kind of fast forward a bit. He doesn't. Um, so he, you know, it's a binary decision for Mills. He, he just leaves the ball in, in Pierce's belly and lets him run. But had he just used peripherals and looked, he'd have seen this was eaten up. It's, there's, there's not, this is not a good thing to do. You shouldn't have run that ball here. Should have thrown this ball. Dorset, and is that what you were seeing as well, Matt? Or you seeing something else? Is that what you're seeing as well, or are you seeing something else? Yeah, the ball should have absolutely went to Philip Dorset there because right there or right here, you get that ball out to Philip Dorset. OJ Howard's on the outside. Chris Moore's got his man. 
And Chris Moore can be a good enough blocker to hold off a defensive back long enough for Philip Dorsett to speed on by. So, and another thing is early in the Discord, there's some talk about um, whether the offensive struggles have been a Pep Hamilton thing or a Davis Mills thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, after watching so much of this film from for the past couple of weeks, the problem is definitely not Davis or Davis Mills, Pep Hamilton's play calling. Sure, it's like predictable, but even though it's really predictable, Damian Pierce has been able to bust runs for about four and a half yards of carry a game. And there's always been about two wide open receivers on the field. So as predictable it is, it's working. We just don't have the quarterback to be able to make the right read. Yeah, and yeah. so building off of what you guys have both said here, um, like Jay said, his read is the end, and it's a binary decision. If the end bites, you pull it. Um, or if he just kind of shuffles down and he doesn't bite, like in this play, then you're supposed to give the, the ball to Pierce. But I think, so in a sense, like Mills is right, but he's also wrong in the sense that there's always, like you have the play call, but then a lot of football is also kind of reactionary on the fly and, and improvisation. And if you see that there's so much space up top with Dorsett and your blockers are out in space, sometimes like the great quarterbacks, like they will just not abandon the play, but they'll adjust based off of what the defense is giving them. And so I think these are plays that it's tough for a young quarterback to make because a young quarterback is like, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. Like if I, if I throw this ball when I wasn't supposed to, I'm going to get chewed out. Right. So that's kind of Mill's perspective from things, but kind of taking that, finding that balance between being very rigid in the play call and being improvisational based off what the defense is giving you. That's what starts to separate. That's when you start to see these quarterbacks like take the jump um, in their development. So I hope you can see that in the future. And John, John makes a good point. Go ahead. I'm going to touch on this real quick. So my thing with this comment right here is sure, like, we know that they've ran this, like, just not as an RPO, just hand the ball off and it is what it is. But if it was just supposed to be a handoff, I don't think um, Philip Dorsett would have been watching back for Mills to be seeing if he was going to receive a pass or not. So I do think this play was designed to be an RPO. And Mills starts running out afterwards. Like, he's faking, like, oh, I got the ball, like – like so, I think there is some, and and John later says he knows that they are RPOs. It's just so weird. That yeah. it's always a handoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. It, it that's one thing that you'll notice, especially if you start watching the film. Uh, like I have, what you'll start to see is that there is consistency in Mills, but it's just not the right consistency. It's not <laughs> consistently what we want. <laughs> it's consistently messing things up. Um, let's get to this next play, though. Um, and again, this is more frustration from Davis Mills in the offense. Um, let's go ahead and get it going, and let's see what we kind of see here. Is this the play I think it is. It is. So let's stop there before we before we go ahead. Matt and I, when we watched this play, initially thought Nico goofed it um, because the, where this ball is thrown and where Nico is and where he stopped is. It didn't make sense. Like, why is the ball where it is? Mills can't be that inaccurate. This isn't high school. This isn't Pee Wee. This is the NFL. Like, 
these dudes are supposed to be able to hit a water bottle from 80 yards away on the little the little nipple thing right yeah. at the top like that that these are that's how accurate these guys are there is no way he can be this inaccurate right what's going on here so jordan we we watched it yesterday what was your initial reaction my initial reaction based off of kind of my initial viewing of this play live on the broadcast view is man mills that is not an nfl throw if you're missing a slant route a wide open slant route like that bad it's just it's not acceptable people will be benched for it people will be out of the league for it um and so that was my initial thought and then as we watched the film back yesterday night if you could just play the play um there were some other variables like mills still did miss this but there were some other variables in his way and as you'll see right here he's trying to throw away from that defender that jay is is circling right now so he has to put it to the right of the defender or else the defender can get a chance to, to put it on to get his hands on the ball right so you play it that's why it's so far to the right and i understand that's why he wanted to put it more right than left but I think that's still a like very completable throw. Do you think that's the wrong ending takeaway, Jay? Or? Uh, I agree. I think this play this play didn't have to be like that, right? Like it didn't have to be an incomplete a ball way to the right, right? He didn't have to sail this. There are other options, right? Now it appears here that Nico is the first read, maybe even Akins, because it seems a lot like the tight end is read number one. Um, but if that's the case, Akins is never really open at this point. So it's got to be Nico. It's got to be Nico. That's the first read. And he's already winding this up to throw this ball before Nico's out of his break. So it's probably Nico. That's the one read. He's open. This is where this ball is going. Yeah. But he, again, had time. This, is, this has been the, the theme of the season. He had time. And Cooks is open down here. Now, I know Pep talks about wanting to split the field in half for his, his quarterback and make things easier. Um, but Matt, you and I have had this exact conversation and we've seen Mills do it. Why doesn't he scan the field here and wait half a second more and hit Cooks? Well. It's, uh, your answer is as good as mine, honestly, because <laughs> Like, I'm not mad with the Nico read, but because that gets you first down for sure. Brandon Cooks probably gets you first down with Yak, but whether it just – I don't even – it's – like, that ball's got to be better placed. Like, I don't even know what else to say there, but it's – <laughs> you, you guys know it's bad when you can see both Jordan Akins, a dude who hasn't been on the team in over a year, and Nico Collins both upset by a ball that was just poorly thrown or what they perceived to be poorly thrown. Um, again, this kind of goes back to that that whole idea of what's bad, what's wrong with the offense? Is this is this bad play calling? Is this just bad play by Mills? Again, it's, it, this play we could definitely say this is a good play call. Nico's open. Cooks is open. Aikens uh, is kind of open, but that's not what you want to go for there. There are players open. It's just bad execution. Yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. And so I think my major two takeaways from this play, yeah, number one, guys are open. Um, and number two, Mills is not making, you know, that read to his second or third progression a lot of time. A lot of time he's going to look at his first read. If it's there, he's going to sling it. And I think he's been inconsistent on, on hitting it. Um, but if it's not there, then he gets a little bit jittery in the pocket. Um, and so I think personally, it's it's a bit of a confidence issue. I think everything right now with Mills is it's mental errors. Like we know he can hit a slant. Like come on, like we've seen him last year take massive strides in the last few games. We know he can make he can technically make every single throw on the field. It's not like he's incapable of hitting a slant. Um, but it's just the inconsistencies is it comes down to the mental game. How confident is he? And when he is you know in rhythm and he's made a few completions. Then he looks confident and he looks like a whole different quarterback when he's just slinging it and he's anticipating passes and anticipating for guys to get open. When he's not and he's hesitating and he's getting jittery in the pocket, he doesn't even look like he belongs in the NFL. So it's, it's just about getting more confident um, consistently so that he can execute. Yeah. So let's get on to this next play. Uh, the last play was frustrating, but this one. Ladies and gentlemen, this one was fantastic. Uh, it's probably the play of the game. It 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 saves Mills' job. And it wasn't even anything he did. <laughs> it wasn't even anything he did. You guys know what happened. You watched it. You screamed at the top of your lungs when it happened. You watched Damian Pierce blow by everyone. 75 yards and a touchdown. His first 75-yard run put him over 100 yards. Immediately, it was insane. It was a great, great play. But as good as that play was, I really want to highlight something else. Um, first, I'm going to start with Matt. Matt, what did you see in this play that was, that was good? Incredible blocking. Troy Haston there. OJ Howard taking his man out. Incredible. Cooks is even hustling. Exactly. Cooks is hustling. Now, could JC Jackson have gotten him at the end there? I thought he was going to catch him. Watching it live, I thought he was. I, I thought he was going to catch him as well, but he slows up there. Um, but, hey, he gets the touchdown, and that's all we need. Um, and that was beautiful. I loved it. Baldinger calls this guy out. There's the – Various people have called this play out at how fast Pierce's acceleration is, yep. how quickly he got upfield, and nobody was expecting that. But, Jordan, you tweeted something about this play that was pretty simple, uh, obviously. I and mean, you bring up Hairston here, Matt, but you, you tweeted something else and, and, and brought up a really good point. You said hat on a hat. Yep. That's, that's literally what happens here. When we look at this play, it's just hat on a hat. Um, and this is what we've been missing. Look at that. Block here, block here, block here, block here. That gives Pierce the room. And this is like the fifth time this play has been run in the last several weeks. And they finally got it right in four weeks. Every other time he's failed to follow the right blocker. Somebody missed the block, so on and so forth. But what is your initial takeaway or what was your takeaway after watching this again over and over yeah, if you replay it, um, it's this is what happens when you get a good mix of good play call and good execution. 
Um, we touched on the blocking. Guys are getting to the second level, which is really, really big, is that they're going to block those two linebackers in the box there. Um, I guess just one of them, the one on the left, doesn't get blocked. But the strong safety on the front side gets blocked up by Harrison. So your front side defenders are getting blocked. Um, and then if you replay it one more time, Pierce makes this happen too because on a, on the toss play, how it's designed is you want to be leading your kind of blockers and leading the defenders outside, right? So right now he's going outside and then boom, then he cuts it in. And so you can see how that kind of like manipulates, replay it one more time, the, uh, the strong safety. Okay, I'll tell you when to pause it. Pause it right now. All right, I don't know who that is, but you see the guy who's kind of like in front of Nico Collins, like two players in front of him. One, yeah, that one, that one. So Harrison's going to get that defender. He looks massive. That looks like a linebacker, but anyways. Because Pierce leads his toss outside, um, then you'll see Harrison's able to, boom, make good contact on him and then cut it inside. So just all around good execution, good play call. Um, and if you give Damian Pierce a free lane where he doesn't even get touched, like past 10 yards, like he's going to house that. They have done, this is the first time they've given him that lane. Um, but it shows that, you know, you do give him good blocking. He's going to make the most of it. That was my takeaways. Exactly. This is the play that got Davis Mills going, in my opinion. Um, it brought some life to the offense. It settled him down. One thing I'll say about uh, about Davis Mills is that you mentioned this in the last play, uh, Jordan, that, that Mills gets happy feet when he's comfortable, when he's uncomfortable, he's, he starts to do, he starts to get real jittery. He starts to get happy feet. He's not making good plays or good reads. It's, it's this play that calms him down because what ends up happening, which you normally see is when, when he's calm, when he's not been sacked, when he's not been hit a bunch, he starts to hit players. And you're like this, where, where was this guy the whole game? Normally, you'll see Davis Mills play bad at the beginning because he's a slow starter, much like our uh, division rival, the Colts. And he is, he's just, one, he, he's not quick to forget is what it seems like. Once he something happens, it sticks with him for a couple of series. And that's, that's not what you want in an NFL QB. Let's get to this next play, though. Um, more good. One thing a lot of people don't cover is special teams. And I have a player that I've really been following and really been liking, Tremont Smith. I think he does not get enough praise. Um, and this play is going to show why he deserves a little bit of praise. This man is flying down the field and makes a good special teams play. There's not much I really wanted to talk about here. I just wanted to show y'all that the special teams, I know everybody wants to say that the, 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 the Texans have not been great in all three phases. That is not true. This special teams unit has been fantastic. They have routinely been stopping people behind where touchbacks would have been. So uh, all that to say, Tremont Smith, you're the real MVP. Um, Let's move on to another play here. Um, let's get to the time for it. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's good enough. All right. 
this is another offensive play, and this one is more on the play calling here. I kind of got to credit the Chargers. I think they did a pretty good job at sniffing this out. We will look this over. I haven't seen this play yet, but I hate screens where you don't give your uh, ball carrier a blocker. Like, what is what is Cook supposed to do here? Yeah, this is this is no good. Um, this is to me, this is a terrible play call. Um, I there was nothing good about this play, right? Because both receivers are doing the same thing. Nico takes a quick step. If he throws that ball, that's a pick. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know why this was an idea or why this was an idea. I guess he's expecting Cooks to, to make a move and get upfield. Pep's uh, offense is, is very much tailored around getting the ball to your playmakers in space and having them get yak. Um, that's really what he wants to do. But Brandon Cooks is not the Brandon Cooks of old, and this is a great tackle by the cornerback. As Brandon Cooks catches the ball, the dude's in his in his breathing space. He's in his personal little bubble. Um, so Brandon Cooks is not at the stage in his career right now where he's going to juke a guy that is already like a foot away from him when he catches the ball. So good play by the defense. Bad play call that just doesn't really give your – it asks your, your player to do a lot um, on his own, which is not what you want because it's a team game. Utilize all your players on the field. Don't just ask your best wide receiver – might not be your best wide receiver anymore. Um, <laughs> to do everything. Yeah. What did you see, Matt? Anything Anything you wanted to add on to that? Nope. Y'all pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like, I don't even – like, it's plays like this, honestly, that make people question Pep Hamilton's play calling. Yep. But it – it, yeah, it's tough. I think what where we will probably end up uh, – finalizing i guess our takes on this is and it's perfect for your for your podcast getting this back to the middle a lot of things are to blame a lot a lot of things play calling execution um they're both at fault um and so it's not so binary it's not so black and white that oh all the mistakes are on the play calling we fix the play calling we're good it's not oh all the mistakes are in mills we fix mills we're good it's both I would lean, and, and we'll get into more of these plays that, that will help my support my point, but I would lean as more mills than play calling. Um, but, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last point on that that I definitely want to make. This is not a normal thing, right? It's not normal that we're seeing bad play calls from Pep Hamilton. Yeah. Um, they're pretty good most of the time, and most of the time somebody's open. Again, it goes back to <clears> – <throat> It goes back to execution. And I don't know if we have the talent to execute correctly right now, but it does go back to coaching a bit, right? If your players aren't executing, you got to coach them to execute correctly. And that's that's indicative of, of bad coaching from both Pep Hamilton and Lovey Smith. Frank Ross, man, can't say nothing about him. That, that, that special teams unit is bawling out. Love it how they're playing. All right. Yeah. Going off of that, sorry, last thing I want to say, Jay, is I'm curious how the offense and if the offense adjusts after the bye week because it's rare for you, for you to see an offense kind of adjust after the first – or like within the first four weeks because, you know, your, your coaches like spend all offseason, spend really their entire lives building up a game plan. 
um, that they are confident. So of course they're not just going to like toss it aside after four weeks. Like they want to get a good sample size. And so what our buy is week five or six, six, I think it's, it's yeah. the week after this Jags game. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's when I'll be seeing if, if there are major adjustments from Pat Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, let's get to this next play. This one's on the defense. Um, you can see Petra here. Owen's there, right? Um, Desmond King. Let's kind of see what's going on here. On this play, it doesn't go for the biggest gain. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to give you all my initial reaction. Come on, guys. Where is the tackling? Why does it take four players to bring a dude down who got hit in the backfield? And this is the theme that we're seeing. Bad tackling. Um, bad execution. Petrie has done a lot of good things as a second-round rookie, but I would be lying if I said if he was perfect. And his biggest issue, really his, his I want to say, only main issue, is he ain't finishing tackles right now. He just throws his body at the running back here, does not wrap up, doesn't play with sound technique, and that's the result. He's on the ground while the running back is a few yards ahead of him. So this one's on Petrie, in my opinion. He makes a great play to read it, to get into the backfield, and it should have been a TFL, but this is happening too many times now um, that he needs to start cleaning it up. I'm sure Yeah. yeah. Any, any additional feedback that you got for this play, Matt? I completely agree. Like, I think with Lovey Smith's philosophy and wanting to force turnovers, the <laughs> the uh, defense is so focused on trying to lay a big hit and get that ball knocked loose to where they're not even playing with sound technique anymore. So, like, had Petrie gone for a wrap-up tackle in the backfield instead of trying to hit knock that ball out, that's easily a tackle for loss. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all yeah, are absolutely that right. I noticed when I was watching last year's defense to see, you know, oh, what is Lovey Smith doing that, you know, is having us force a lot of fumbles? Because last year we were pretty good there. Um, and he's teaching everyone to punch the hell out the ball. And with that, you sacrifice some some consistency in, in wrapping up those tackles. So you're absolutely right, Matt. All yeah. the money. I won't lie. When I was at the game, um, I was highly upset uh, to the point to where fans around me were like, man, can you quit yelling the same thing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm yelling the same thing because the same thing keeps happening. We keep trying to tackle. And – you know, yank the ball out rather than tackle. Just tackle the guy. Those plays will come where you can get a fumble, but this is not one of them. Just just tackle the guy. All right, this next play, and this one is for you in the chat, Defons. It's for you in the chat. I want y'all to see this. And this is from my boy Joey, who, who clowned on Nico for like two straight weeks saying he was not good. Aren't like 
toast. Straight burnt toast. I also need you all to understand something. That player who everybody on Twitter has been, you know, saying is 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 JC Jackson and and oh he uh, not everybody. There's been a couple of people who've been saying, oh, JC Jackson likes to bait by slowing down and then using his great catch-up speed. Yo, JC Jackson got burnt and never caught up. He's burnt. Toast. Straight burnt toast. Nico blew him away, and this is something he was doing all game. Matt, do you have anything else to add to it? That's Just, I find it interesting that JC Jackson is uh, – the Chargers corner one and he was covering Nico Collins. So all season, Nico Collins has been getting wide receiver one treatment, whether it had been the other team's number one corner lined up across from him or just him getting double teamed. Teams are aware of the damage he can do if he's in one-on-one coverage or you have a less than stellar cornerback on him. That's the result you're going to get right there. It's a big game. And the emotion from Nico after the catch is fantastic. It is. And the great thing about this also, got to give some got to give some props here to, to, to Pierce for throwing up a good block to give um, a little bit more time to Mills. He still gets hit, but he delivers a dime. My only feedback here for Nico, stay standing, man. Don't stumble if you can. Try and try and keep those feet because that's six. If you can keep your feet, they were not catching you. Um, and and him going off balance there definitely allows him to be get taken down. I think that's Adderley, right? Um, that allows him to be taken down by Adderley. So. This is just a beautiful route. That's really what sticks out the most to me because if you play it back from the beginning, Eco Collins, that was his big thing uh, going into this year. Can you improve your route running? Can you make it more crisp? Can you separate versus man coverage? Well, this is as good as it gets versus great competition. And he runs a great, great route. If you go back to the, if you play from the end zone view, which it'll load up in a second, um, he really deceives JC Jackson. First off the release, he gives him a head fake outside. Boom. A little subtle thing outside, then go inside. And then he uses his hands. You see he swats away. Um, if you replay it, he swats away after like five yards right here. Boom. Get your hands off me. So that's the only way. Because he beat J.C. Jackson off the release with that little head fake outside, the only way J.C. Jackson can get back into the play is if he grabs Nico and can kind of pull himself back into the play. But Nico was ready for it and went, nah. No, sir. Um, and then he finishes it really well by once he's downfield, he hasn't beat. I guess maybe we show it from the other view, it would be easier for me to look at that point. He hasn't beat at a certain point. Uh, sorry, one more time with that 10 seconds or whatever it is, five seconds. I don't know. He hasn't beat, and then he widens JC Jackson outside even more. Like now he starts boom going outside. You see that because he starts when he beats him, he's like inside the numbers, and then he runs outside the numbers to make sure there is no way J.C. Jackson can get back into this. That is just as good as it gets. Exactly. And another thing 
that I, I, I want to kind of point out here, this is the best throw. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. But also Cooks is open here, right? So again, we're we're here to bring you back to the middle. Let's dispel this rumor that wide receivers aren't getting open. Yep. They're open. It's just sometimes we're not hitting them. And on this play, they were hit. Uh, Mills and Cooks did Mills and Cooks. Nico and Cooks did their jobs. And Mills makes a great throw. That's what we've been wanting to see from him. It's definitely what we've been wanting to see because what ends up happening is we get to see Nico Collins celebrate like that. And that's what you want to see. Let's get to this this, this last play here and end on a good note. Um, let me get to the right timeline real quick. All right. Let's take a look here. Look at that. Look at that. I need y'all to, I need y'all to see this. So I'm going to play this again one more time. We're just going to look at this in silence and in reverence because this is beautiful. Beautiful. Look at it. Matt, what you see here? What I see here is after that big connection to Nico, Mills finally looks like he did down the stretch of last season. He looks like he trusts his line or his linemen. He looks like he trusts his receivers to get where they need to be, and he delivers an absolute dot to Brandon Cooks. Exactly, exactly. He does, and it is similar as as Beige says here. It is kind of similar to that that TD uh, last year in the Browns game. It is similar to that that we saw. I think it was in the second half uh, of that game. Um, and it's a great play. I don't see any better throws out there than this one. Yep. He, he's got the leverage. He's the first read. Zip it in there. And this is something we're not seeing consistently uh, from Mills. We need to see this more consistently. Jordan, do you see anything else? Um, if you go back, pause it before the snap. There's... One thing I want to highlight before the snap, one thing I have wanted to highlight after the snap. Uh, play it a little bit more like right before they're about to hike it. I want to make sure I'm right on this. Okay, yeah, pause it. Perfect. So this is a good play call here because the Chargers are in a middle-of-the-field open defense. So I like to call that a mofo, middle-of-field open, which essentially means there is no single high safety. There is no one in that middle. The two safeties are split out wider. And so there's a hole for Brandon Cooks to sneak in there and find the open space. So first of all, based off of the defensive coverage, good play call. Second of all, look at the freaking island Davis Mills is living on in the pocket, man. The pass protection here is crispy. They get a good chip from, I think that's Burkhead on the bottom. This is Pierce. This Pierce. No, on the bottom. On the, see oh, the guy is, running out. Yeah. This, this is Mason Shrek. Oh, okay. Tight end. But that's there is no cleaner pocket than that. And I think this goes to a bigger point that I was making earlier is that, you know, if Mills is confident in rhythm, which he was after the Nico Collins big bomb, and if he has, you know, he doesn't have to get jittery in the pocket, if he has this space and his first read is open, <laughs> then he's going to make money happen. That's a lot of things to, to go right on one play. 
And so that's why we see so much inconsistencies. If Mills needs all these three things to happen, well, realistically, if this is the NFL, man, things are not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to have a clean pocket. Your first read is not always going to be wide open. And so that's why we're seeing the inconsistencies with him. And that's why, since he was drafted, in my opinion, I've never really thought of him as a high-ceiling franchise quarterback because this is what the film shows, is he needs things to be perfect around him for him to execute. And even when they are, sometimes he's still inconsistent with it. So he's a young player. He's got very few starts in college and NFL under his belt. So it makes sense, like, connecting the dots as to why he's so, you know, lacking confidence with the mental game and jittering the pocket because he hasn't done this a lot. And so that's why you kind of want to, I think the coaching staff wants to kind of keep the window open and believe in Mills. Um, but the NFL is, you know, it's a business. And if you don't, if you aren't seeing the progression, you got, you got to move on. So Mills has this season then, but uh, it's not trending in the right direction. In my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. There's one last point I wanted to make here. Very rarely, and I've watched a lot of film, hours upon hours upon hours of film until my eyes almost bled. Um, and one thing that I want y'all to note here is when this ball comes out, most of the time, the 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 norm is that Mills waits a half a second too long. But this ball is out here, and Cooks is still not out of his break fully. This is an anticipatory throw that we haven't seen from Mills pretty much all year. I think his first one was in the Bears game. Nope, not the Bears game. Was it the Bears game? The last game. I guess that was the Bears. Yep. What was the last? Yeah. So it was his first one was there, and he makes this one here. He's actually thrown two. The one to Nico earlier that was the bomb, and this one. This is the first time we're really seeing that. And it – it looks great. And this is what we're what we're wanting from him consistently. Because if he does this consistently, no one's upset with him. But he's not doing it. He's not making these anticipatory throws that are on a rope, by the way. That's great arm strength. Accurate throw. On the money. Um, Finally placed it well. Finally put exactly. it to hit the wide receiver in stride. Hit him. He wins inside leverage, so hit him inside. Perfect. No complaints, man. Exactly, exactly. So uh, that, I believe, was the final play. One thing, Jay, do we have more plays? I know we watched another one last night. Um, I think it was in the red zone. Maybe it wasn't in the red zone. But more Nico plays being wide open against J.C. Jackson because that was oh, really yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end of the, the angle breaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me, let me get to that play. Let me find it real quick. Give me one second, and I will find it as quick as I possibly can. Yeah, this was this was a game that it's it's funny to me because all you hear about is people complaining about Nico Collins. They aren't getting him involved. He's not open. Yada yada yada. And this is the first game I turn on the film. The first game I'm not watching the broadcast, and I actually get to watch the all twenty two to see if the wide receiver is open or not. And it's Nico Collins burning a top five cornerback in the league when J C Jackson is shadowing you. You don't get open this much. And he should have had a field day. He should have had damn near 200 yards, I feel like, um, if he was hit, you know, every time that he was open. Yeah, this so. is this is probably one of the best plays I've ever seen uh, from Nico. Look at this. This is J.C. Jackson. Bye. <laughs> this is J.C. Jackson. 
just manhandled him. That's what you want from Nico because he's a big body, man. The he's ball a big goes body with speed. And so you saw the speed and the improved route running on the big bomb. Um, and then you see the physicality here too. God damn. Also, I have a little bit of a score update here for Thursday night football. The Denver Broncos lead the Colts 3 nothing with about three minutes left in the first quarter. Yeah, I've been seeing some people saying uh, prayers for Naheem Hines. If you put in the chat, what happened? Uh, let me know. You got carted off, it sounds like. Yeah, let me know, let me know what concussion. happened. Mm, that's not good. That's not good at all. There were a couple other plays. Uh, I could show you plenty of plays where Nico Collins uh, absolutely destroyed people. Do it to him, Jack. Um, because he does it quite often. He's he's very good at that. Uh, let me see if I can't get to a play real quick. Fonz, I wouldn't say Nico is top five just because he hasn't, you know, doesn't have the production to back that up. But I, I see where you're coming from and the fact that he's beaten the top five quarterback. So if he has a good quarterback play, whoo. He's top two on the Texans, and let me tell you, he's not number two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. And not getting the ball, yeah, he's he's not number two. Look, look at this. this. One I look at that. I need y'all to see this. This is Nico Collins. I wish I had, you know, some telestrator stuff. JC Jackson has to grab this man. Otherwise, he's beat, and he's beat anyway. <laughs> That's as wide open as it gets when you're playing like man coverage with JC Jackson. Like, come on. This this is the next play. I, I need y'all to understand. This is the exact next play. He was 10 yards separated before because he got thrown off because he was a little man. And this time he had to hold him. Nico just turns around and throws him off. This is ev almost every play. JC Jackson is on him most of the game, and this is almost every play. He burned JC Jackson. I would be frustrated as hell if I'm Nico. Yeah, I would it's, be frustrated because he's just doing cardio at this point. Yeah, it, it, honestly, that's kind of what's going on with Kirksey too. I know a lot of y'all are saying Kirksey's bad, but Kirksey is running 25 yards upfield every game. You uh, Tampa and <laughs> Tampa too. Uh, it's it's ugly. I don't actually think he's in this play, but y'all get the picture. We've seen three. Oh, he is. He's just blocking like a madman. I think that's the last throwing play. Let me see here. This is Nico. So this is also Nico. Again, let's see what happens when someone else is on him. It doesn't matter. That's a big play to win because he's running an in-breaking route, and the corner has inside leverage the entire time. So the corner has the advantage. Nine times out of ten, the corner is going to make that play. But Nico is so well-rounded, man. He does it all. We've seen the speed. We've seen the physicality. And now we see the hands in contested scenarios. There's not really a hole in his game right now. Yeah, he's he's playing way too well. Um, he's he's just and this is this is just on offense. He's 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 dominating every play. Uh, this is a sack and that we shouldn't have taken and that's terrible. Um, but yeah, oh. as Defon says, he's a stud. Um, and I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so let's kind of get to the end here. It has been almost an hour. We've been going for a while here. Um, let's get people. Let's get the people to uh, some some NFL football. I know some of y'all have been watching while watching us, and we greatly appreciate that. 
But I wanted to kind of get to uh, to some final points. We've kind of talked about these some, um, but I, I want to get y'all's thoughts. Who's really to blame on the offense here? We've seen good plays. We've seen bad plays. We've seen Nico dust J.C. Jackson all game. Uh, who's to blame? It's, it's of course, a mixture, um, but I think so much of an offensive success is obviously through the quarterback. doesn't matter how perfect your route is. doesn't matter how perfect the play call is. If your quarterback can't connect on a slant route, he's not seeing wide open wide receivers, you're just not going to have any success. And so is there, you know, a, a couple, a few play calls each game that Pep Hamilton, you're like, what the, is that? Sure. Go watch another game. Every team has that few, two, three play calls a game that you're like, I just knew that wasn't working the entire time. That's that's not like something that Pep Hamilton needs to be fired over after four weeks. He is scheming guys open. Players are open. And Mills is wildly inconsistent. So if I had to put the blame, if like we're narrowing this focus to like Mills and, and Pep, I would honestly say it's like 80 mils, 20 pep. I think that would maybe be fair in that ballpark. Great minds think like I was just about to say the same thing. If I had to distribute the blame, I'm putting 80% of it on mills and 20% on pep. Yeah. I think that's just on offense though, right? Um, I can't even say it's the full 20% on on pep. Some of that's on the O-line. Some of that's on, on Damian Pierce putting the ball on the ground four times in three games. Right. Some of that is um, Rex Burkhead for some reason being played more often than he should. Um, and him being your running back, too. I don't know why. When you could have had Marlon Mack and Dare is also back there. Right. There is a lot that goes into this. And there is the occasional time when no one gets open. Again, sometimes that's the tight ends being three tight end sets. There's a lot of three tight end sets that, that the Texans play for God knows whatever reason where it's Cooks or Dorsett or just one receiver that's out there and three tight ends. Um, yeah, on, on the offense, I, I have to say it's probably 70%. I'm going to go a little lower. 70% Mills, 5% the line, 5% his receivers, and that includes everybody, not just the wide receivers. Um, 5% play calling. And the other 5% is – the wind, I guess. I don't know. It's, 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 it's not, it's not all on mills. It's not on everybody. There is, is a pl- plenty of blame to go around. Um, let's get to the next point. Damian Pierce. This man has gotten better and better each week. Uh, I think there's a particular reason for that, but what do you guys think? What do you guys think of Damian Pierce? Matt, I'll let you go first. Damian Pierce is an absolute stud. He's going to need to work on his ball security, though, because as we know, he was a part of a running back tandem at Florida. So he wasn't used to getting the 20 to 25 carries a game, like what he's getting, how many times he's seeing action. So I think all that's really missing from the offense is a quarterback, a running back two, and a tight end. Wide receiver can be debated, but as of right now, I'd perfectly be fine just switching 
Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks roll and have Nico be wide receiver one, have Brandon wide receiver two. Um, yeah, I think with Damian Pierce, why he's gotten better every week is because the game is slowing down for him. That's really what it comes down to. So much of the running back position is is, is making the right reads, making the right decisions, having the vision to hit the hole, to know when to press the gap and when to cut it back. And he's been doing better about those decisions. Um, of course, he's never going to be perfect. There were a few plays I've seen now that he could be a little bit more patient um, and, and wait for that cutback. But he's doing a hell of a job for a fourth-round rookie running behind one of the worst run-blocking offensive lines in the league. Um, Green's great. Other than that, you got nothing. AJ Can blows a block every other play. Scott Questenberry is built like a tight end. Um and we know Tunsil and Titus aren't really good run blockers. They're more they're lockdown pass protectors, but they are not great run blockers. So I'm excited to see, Matt, when you said like what else do we need to add to the offense? I want a center. I want a right guard. I want a running back too. I do want a tight end. Um, and then wide receiver, maybe you can you can pick someone up in free agency, but more likely you're gonna have like a late day two pick, maybe in the third round, something like that. Another Mechie thrown into the bowl. Yeah, I think we've a lot of people have forgotten Mechie um, because he hasn't played yet. But remember, remember who that man is. And I think we'll remember next year. Um, I do want to point out one more player that's been helping Damian Pierce. Troy Hairston has gotten better every week as well. Um, and when it came down to choosing, I, I think we had this on stream where we were trying to decide who was going to be the fullback. It was a toss up. It's like two to two, Troy Hairston and Questenberry. Um, and they were both playing great. Troy Hairston won that battle, and he has rewarded the Texans for that. He's he continuing to win well. that battle. He is continuing to win that battle every week. The man is a great fullback. Yeah, um, rookie UDFA, right? Yeah, exactly. Rookie UDFA. Best dominating. UDFA in Texans history. Uh, mm. <laughs> you might want to take that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not taking that back at all. Chat, clip it, clip it. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it. You, he said it's the best UDFA in Texas history, and, he, and Arian Foster exists. Old takes exposed where you at, dog. Mailman Foster. We'll move on from that because that was terrible. Rookie watch. What do you guys think of the rookies? We'll start with Jordan. Um, yeah, we talked about Pierce. Uh, we'll get to Stingley. I think he should have his own little segment. Um, Petrie. I like what I'm seeing. It's 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 you know when you contextualize everything in the big picture, grand scheme of things, like a second round rookie doing what he's doing, you love to see it. Starting for a defense, like you love to see it. He has one flaw; he's got to clean up the tackling, but that'll come with time. Um, other than that, Mechi is Mechi. Christian Harris is on the field. Who else am I missing? That's pretty much it, right? Tegan Quatoriano. Oh, Green. Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green. Um, I've liked what I see with him. He is a different breed of offensive lineman that we have not had in the past. He is already our best run blocker, in my opinion. He has a natural power that you just can't teach. And yes, he will maybe make a mistake once a game in pass pro, but that's kind of be too expected with a, a rookie offensive lineman, number one, and also number two with a guy who has always been a high recruit, has always been the guy, has always physically dominated his competition and so he hasn't had to necessarily develop 
that technique to a higher level that some other guys have. But hopefully that's where George Warhop can come in and uh, refine that up. But for a rookie, he's doing damn good, man. Agreed. Agreed. Matt, anything on the rookies that you want to add? I absolutely agree with what Jordan just said, but the only thing I'd have to add on isn't really an add-on. It's more of a comment. I just wish people would stop assigning, like, the zone coverage blames on Stingley and the yards allowed on that on Stingley because obviously not on him because Mike Williams had a crosser in that game. I don't even remember what quarter it was in. But I'm pretty sure all of those yards got pinned on Derek Stingley, who was covering a deep zone in zone coverage. And that's – but, yeah. yeah. That's another thing, though, about Stingley is he's he's get, also getting better game by game. I'm liking the amount of zone reps and man reps. So once he gets zone put down pat – it's GG's. <laughs> it really is. And he's never really been a guy that's been asked to play a lot of zone coverage. Um, at LSU, they just let him man up guys and then let him do his thing. But Lovey's a different coach than that. Lovey has his philosophy that's worked for him for years, and he's not going to abandon that, even though he might should. But um, I think this is a good segue to talking about Derek Stingley and Mike Will. You had a great observation, Jay, that uh, you want to tell the people. Yeah. Um, one thing that we saw when, when Stingley played Mike Williams um, pretty close, a lot of passes had to be low and away or way outside or something. Because if what, one thing that I was noticing, and I, I didn't show it in the film today, I, there was a lot of film. Obviously, this is the longest stream I've done. Um, so I don't want to take up too much of y'all's time, but Stingley was routinely catching the breaks. Like he was always on him. He was like a blanket. It was it was bad. It was it was not bad for us. It was bad for Mike Williams because he was he was always blanketing. The only times he wasn't is when we were in zone. Um, there was actually a throw. Um, it was shortly before the the play that Matt's talking about, where it was a crosser um, and they were in zone. Where um, I think this was in the first half. Mike Williams runs forward for about eight yards. And has a comeback. Um, Stingley stops on a dime. He's less than a yard from him. And the ball has to be thrown two to three yards short. And Mike Williams has to make a diving play backwards for the ball, which, of course, makes them lose yardage. If he doesn't throw that ball there, if um, um, Herbert doesn't make that throw like he does, Stingley has a chance for a PBU or even possibly a pick because he he was there like that. And that's that's the beauty of what we're seeing from him. But we're also seeing that for the last three games, he's played three big wide receivers. And that's kind of it's 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 kind of his weakness. Um, yeah. He's not the it, biggest corner. He's not as big as a, as a sauce gardener. He doesn't have as long arms. He is. I believe it's like like a high six foot and he has like 30 inch arms. So yeah. Actually, I looked it up. They have the same hand size and sauce is a bit about three inches taller and a little higher. Um, but the thing that we'll say, I'm, I'm really getting tired of this comparison of Stingley and sauce. They're not doing the same thing. Um, 
Stingley is following the number one receiver. Sauce is not. That's that's evident. He is not following the number one receiver. He's kind of playing everybody at every time, at every you know different plays. That, that it's a big difference. We we can't compare apples to oranges here. Um, I think Stingley is going to grow. He's making rookie mistakes, and that's fine. Um, but I think I think the comparison between Stingley and Sauce is not fair. Um, yeah. And, well, and that's Stingley's just, matched up in hell week in week out. Sauce is over in uh, New York, New York, guarding the uh, other team's equipment manager. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Uh, he, we, we can't take. I, I want to say this. We can't take away from Sauce. He guarded Jamar Chase, and there was only I think one one play where Chase makes the catch, but he wasn't on Jamar Chase all game, and that's that's what we're we're not seeing. We're not seeing that true comparison. Because in that game, Stingley would have been on him all game. And that's the difference. Um, let's get to this last point. Um, and, and somebody made an excellent excellent point. I think it's Stefan's here. Run defense problems. <sighs> it's not good, guys. <laughs> that's, 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 that's all it really is. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Um Matt, what do you think with the run D? I hope the Browns lose a couple more games and hopefully we can get Jalen Carter to help with that a little bit. <laughs> oh, man, I want one of those defensive linemen so badly. I want Will Anderson so badly. I just want the world where we get Bryce Young and Will Anderson, man. But that's too much to ask. I'm getting greedy now. No, no, no. Can we also get 2020 with that, too? I love 2020, man. Like, yeah, just draft great. Bama, bro. Yeah, just just all of Bama and OSU and be done. That's that's it. Let's not forget about my Georgia boys. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Next (laughs) week. It's okay. Um, No, I I, scream later. (laughs) I do think. I don't think Christian Harris is going to do too much to help our run defense immediately. Yep. Um, I think he'll be decent in helping. He's fast. He's lanky, but he's a little undersized. He's gonna get blown up a lot, kind of like what we're seeing with Wallow. Wallow's great. Don't he's good, but he does get blown up a decent amount. He's been making some good plays though. Uh, I think in game right now, if we're playing with this team, I would like to see Wallow and Harris kind of take over with Kirksey maybe in there. Uh, I think KGH is, is playing too hard and he's making too many mistakes. Um, I think you need to to. to get some youth injected in there because he's making way too many mistakes. Um, yeah, I've not been happy with Kirksey and, and KGH. Even last year, they had high tackle numbers, but that's not always indicative of good linebacker play because a lot of the tackles that they're making are after first downs or after five yards, and that's not a good tackle. Um, and that doesn't even begin to expose the problems that they are in coverage. Because that's just, I don't even want to go there. So we're seeing right now with the Lovey Smith system of, of how he wants to build his linebackers. You know, he wants athletic guys. He wants guys that have speed, acceleration, and are athletes. Um, but like Jay pointed out with Garrett Wallow, when you have these linebackers who are like six foot, six foot two, 235 pounds, like they can't get off blocks. And so in theory, 
you may add in pass coverage, but you take away a lot in run defense. And so there's a personnel problem with our run defense, and there's an execution problem with our run defense because Kirksey and KGH, not making the right reads, are trying to do too much and are not executing at the end of the day. I would like to see more Cashman as well. Um, Y'all in the chat are saying that. Um, I disagree with this. Kirksey got to go. Not saying that Kirksey is great, but if you watch the film, Kirksey is routinely bailing for 25 yards. Uh, I'm surprised at his conditioning uh, because that man is always sprinting backwards. Um, But Cashman, man, he's been playing well, but it's almost unforgivable to drop the pick he dropped. That was in his hands. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just bad. It was just yeah. bad. I'm not liking it. Not liking it. All right. I think we have held the people up from Thursday Night Football uh, for long enough. Judging last- by what's been going on with the offense, I don't think they're messing too yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. Uh, Two bad offense meet in the yard. What happens? Uh, We get the Texans versus the Bears, apparently. Again, round two. Um, Anything else you guys want to say before we we log off for the night? Any any final thoughts? Matt? Like and subscribe to Texans Thoughts on YouTube. Like and subscribe, y'all. You guys are too nice. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a blessing to be able to do this again and watch the film because i missed it for four weeks man it's been too long i don't got the time right now um but thursday is a, a good day for me so hopefully as i find this better work-life balance i can do more of these streams um and definitely if jay is handling the the film aspect of this that takes a lot off my plate um so i would love to continue to do this and i gotta say everyone who's watching right now you gotta subscribe to the moderate texan they're here every week Jay and Money Matt. Well, probably both of y'all every week, right? Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Jay definitely every week. Me, it, I'm either here or there. Yeah, exactly. And there's not many people. There's really no one else doing this in in the Texans world. There's no one breaking down the film live for you guys, taking in your guys' comments and feedback and, and adjusting to that. So props to you two for doing this. I'm glad someone is doing it um, when I have not been able to. And uh, I just wish you guys all the best, man. We thank you for what you've taught us because we would not be here without the film. Don't lie, community. Um, Jordan has really taught us a lot. Um, so like like Matt said, go subscribe. It's down in the description to subscribe to uh, Texans Thoughts. Uh, like, subscribe, just, just, just do it. He's, he's, he's earned it. Um, Hopefully today y'all got a little bit of insight, saw what I saw. We kind of peered through the darkness, looked at the chaos, saw a little bit of light. Hopefully we brought you right back to the middle. This has been Jay, the moderate Texan. That's Money Matt. That's Jordan, a.k.a. your Texan's thoughts. Let's go watch some Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, y'all. We out. Peace.